This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following content is not suitable for children. Exciting show today, Laurie. Really need to answer this question. Can willingness replace desire with so many of these couples that we're working with? Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. For a great personal lubricant, please check out uberlube.com and use the coupon foreplay to support us at the podcast. Thanks. So, George, we're back from the class with Dr. Zoya Simahotskaya and Mike Moran, who's an ASEX sex therapist. And Zoya is a trainer in EFT, and we just did their Sex as a Safe Connection, which was so fun to be with them for two whole days and hear all about the integration of EFT and sex. That was cool. Really nice time watching, being a student again and just sitting back and watching two masters show their work and really uh, you can see the power that they have in in helping couples talk about difficult topics and, and have success and transformation. So it was inspiring. Absolutely. They, they did beautiful work. It was a little intimidating to me since I'm still not certified. And I think I was just watching them feeling nervous about, wow, I hope I can trace all those things that they're doing. It was good. And it was fun yeah. to be with you, George. It was, it was nice to just sit back and just take in to receive. And mm-hmm. it was, it's also great seeing different perspectives and vantage points. And there's so much, so much knowledge out there. People with big hearts trying to help people yep. in, in their own different ways. And we're going to have them on the podcast probably in January, I think is what it looks like. So that'll be fun. Yeah. It also helped me realize I know a little bit more than I thought a year you ago do. doing this, doing this uh, podcast. <laughs> I've, it's, I've been learning a lot. And yeah. thank you, listeners, for all this feedback and questions. It's really, I think, pushing my leading edge and my speeding up my learning curve. Yep. So today, one of the things, the concepts that came up in the class, I thought was so smart. They talked about can willingness replace desire and Basically, you know, sometimes people in long-term relationship or people who have been sexless for a period of time, I think Mike basically was talking about this as far as a sexless couple that he had dealt with and how he can get them to think about a different way to start sex instead of from that hungry, desirous place, which, you know, I'm familiar because I've been working with low libido women forever, and many of them don't have that body hunger. Right. Um, 
so we, we often talk about, can they enter the experience, be willing to potentially be turned on, be willing to make love to their partner in hopes that their body starts to respond. And that's a good starting place. Maybe, maybe not as a, exciting a starting place as what they thought of it would be or should be. But it turns out that this gets them going and sex dog on it. It has its magic and, you know, it becomes exciting. I love the idea that flexibility is not either or. It would be cool if we're trying to create a sexual menu that we have some of it that's starting off with just willingness and other times with desire. It can be a quickie. It can be romantic. You know, what's the purpose? The, I think more variety we have on that menu, the better. No, Lori? I think so, too. And I think that this gets people moving. And just to say, hey, you know, it's um, it's been a while. Let's Let's do this and have your partner respond with, yeah, even if they're not necessarily hungry in the moment. And I'm certainly not saying people should have sex when they don't want to have sex. But I think that for many people in a busy life, children working, the sense of, you know, being willing to take some time for pleasure, being willing to have an intimate moment, it's a great starting place. You don't always have to start from hunger and romance and I got to have it. Right. I think it's important to focus on what what are you trying to be willing for what's the goal if the goal is that mutual orgasm then there's might be some pressure to that willingness right but that mm-hmm. if the goal is just to connect if it's to strengthen your emotional bond if it's just to put aside time to intentionally allow your body to be present with the person you love then I think that's a really a healthy mindset to kind of bring into your relationship. So for our listeners that really don't even think about that, like let's let's play. Let's let's even imagine the idea of what it would be like to allow your body when it's not being driven by desire and lust and passion. To mm-hmm. just like let me just show up skin to skin with my partner. And open up my heart just to connect. If that, if that is the goal, we know we can accomplish that regardless of what happens from that start point to that end point of connection. Mm-hmm. One of the things I tell women is, and couples basically, is what would it be like if you had an agreement that if your partner is really interested and they just ask you, hey, you know, you want to have sex? And your answer is, let's start and see what happens so that it's not an obligation, you know, because maybe you don't feel it, but it would be cool to, like you said, just be naked together or start kissing, start making out, start holding each other and see if that closeness lights the fire. So oftentimes a couple will make that agreement with me like, yeah, we can do that. And maybe particularly for the sexual pursuer, I get their agreement that, you know, if your partner just doesn't turn on and can't get into it, are you going to be okay with having started this, having your body be aroused and then maybe it not going anywhere? Right. This is that fine line in willingness to, if it leads to something successful, then it's going to be very healthy. But if it leads to, to just going with the flow and forcing yourself to do something your body really doesn't want to do, then it starts to train us to actually 
want to not have sex, right? It's going to strength, it's going to lower the desire when we're having sex where we're not so engaged. So I think that's a critical like awareness in that moment. Which direction am I, am I going with this willingness? Mm-hmm. And both partners essentially have, one has to be willing to start and one has to be willing to stop, right? It, it's a little different. So what would you say to the person who, the sexual pursuer, George, who has to be willing to stop? How would you help them understand this and comfort them? I would say 10% of sexual encounters are going to end somewhat negatively, that there's nothing, this is normal for every couple to have misses, but there's such an opportunity in the miss to realize, like, let's, let's jump into that moment. Like, what is it that caused your partner to head towards turning off and mm. that they're willing to share it instead of just going through the motions. That's really a breakthrough for a lot of couples, mm-hmm. right? They're standing up for themselves in a way they typically don't, that there's something that they're, they're learning about themselves that they might not have known. So that if that pursuer can give the space to say, all right, let, let's try to figure it. It's like a block. Something was coming between us that we, to this point, really haven't put words to. Mm-hmm. I think it is important if we're not going to have sex, we're going to ask the pursuer to sit back. And then it is important to, to give some words, some conversation. Like for me, either option, if I can't have sex, that's fine. But I do then need some explanation for why we're not having sex, right? And I think then the, that pursuer is getting something in that encounter, that there's, there's an exploration going on that a lot of withdrawers want to not say, no, I don't want to have sex. And then they don't want to talk about it either. And that's where it starts to become a little bit too much for the pursuer. So I'm imagining a couple, he's the sexual pursuer, as is stereotypical, and they are willing. She says, yes, let's do it. And then she doesn't feel it. And so she, you know, he's got an erection and she has to say to him, um, you know, I just am not feeling it. What, what, what does he do with that? How does he like, you, you've talked about this, you know, men are just so focused at that point on their penis. Can he really open up his brain and get curious about why without being angry, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, Hey, listen, maybe he needs to, to masturbate or maybe she helps him. Maybe that's just as important to let, you know, let that stress out that discharge. And then he could be more curious and say, Hey, so what was going on? Is there something I could have done differently? I mean, who knows what came up for her, right? It's hard to do if, if she's just going to say no, and then not talk about it, roll over, and he's left in that spot. So, so again, it's, it's about that flexibility. I think that the couple's willing to have a, this conversation in that moment is what's really, really so important. Yeah, and I love what you just said, right? It, okay, maybe she doesn't want to go through with it, and maybe she can just help him, or she could hold him while he does himself, or he can take it to the showers and then maybe come back and talk about you know, what happened? You, you didn't turn on, it, especially if he's genuinely curious versus critical curious. Just like, you know, um, it, it, didn't, it didn't work for you. And I think as a sexual withdrawer, a, a lot of people, they don't have words for what's happening in their body. It's very hard to be vulnerable and say what happened for them. It's such a tough place, especially if they feel the pressure from their partner to perform or to, to be at the same place they are. Well, this is where the, the body, the heart, the mind, spiritual scores that we're talking about become so relevant. Like if, if you are that sexual withdrawer, 
can you take a moment to do an inventory that says, you know, how was I super high stressed out? Was, was my mind racing? Is that what might have done it? Was my heart turned off? Was I, you know, romantically wasn't engaged because I was in my head? Was I even aware of my body? You know, I, I think really giving you what you'd probably see some pretty low scores in that moment. And I think it's your way of, of really understanding, all right, now let's come up with a plan. What could I do to kind of lower that kind of race in mind or increase that heart score to see if maybe mm -hmm. those that that desire or that kind of getting into it increases a bit. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the withdrawal frequently is also observing themselves in a critical way. You know, I, I want to turn on and my body's not working. It's not fair. You know, my partner's body gets turned on so easily. That kind of voice, just analyzing that and saying, you know, maybe... Maybe it's not my night, but my heart is here. My spirit is here. I want to be one with my partner. Can that be enough? I, you know, certainly as a female sexual withdrawer, she might be able to, to open up to sexual intercourse, even if her body is not, you know, super turned on. But for a lot of women, you know, that feels too invasive if they're not turned on enough or even in their spirit it's too invasive, but I think it's the watching problem where she's self-critical that then makes her arousal yeah. less. Well, this is complicated and I love your question. Can it be enough, right? Mm -hmm. If the goal is connection and if she's not getting turned on, but he's able to have an orgasm and they're cuddling afterwards and that feels good for both of them, then mission accomplished. As long as that doesn't become the new norm of what sex always looks like. Yes. Then yes. it starts to become a problem. So let's talk about that when we get After back. After the break, okay? We are again fortunate to have UberLube as our sponsor. Please go to uberlube.com and use the coupon foreplay for a 10% off your purchase. And George, you were saying, you know, do women get anxious about using lubricants because it might mess up their hormonal balance or they might become allergic to it or they might get a yeast infection? And it's like, yes, they are. But UberLube is kind of this neutral lubricant. We don't need to worry about those things because it's made out of silicone, which is not absorbed by the body and it doesn't trap bacteria. So you don't have to worry about an infection or something. Well, thanks for clearing that one up. I know <laughs> people I've talked to are like, ah, I don't want to get an infection. And that reluctance really stops them from adding something that really would enhance what's happening in a room for both partners. And can you say something about men who feel somehow or another they've failed if they need a lubricant? lubricant if the two of them need a lubricant listen get over it that would be my <laughs> advice so try uber lube it's recommended by thousands of doctors it has a long-lasting performance it leaves your skin feeling good it's got three types of high-grade silicone and a little bit of vitamin e you won't be disappointed this is something that i've used and definitely have recommended for years it's got a great classy packaging my favorite because some of them don't and uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay for 10 percent off so for all you therapists out there listening to our show i really want you to check out successinvulnerability.com our new training website that we believe is taking online therapist training to the next level it's so focused on moment by moment, practical moves, less theory to really get people to have immediate success, right? We're trying to measure targets of change so we can see if we're on target or we need to adjust. 
and the feedback we're getting is really excited. We're incorporating that feedback to continually adjust and to change the schedule and come join us, SIV team. Also, I'll just put a plug in for it as well, because I am one of the learners and they just released module three, which is so nuanced and so smart. I was listening to it thinking this kind of instruction just is not out there. How to do the micro moves that change people's hearts toward each other. It's so good. So it's reasonably priced. I just encourage you to go over to successandvulnerability.com and sign up. It's great training. So G, what's your G spot? All right. As a former firefighter, mm. I'm trying to make the connection between sex and fire fighting. Mm. So here it is. Sex is like a fire. Mm. It can warm you up or burn your house down. Oof. One of the things I've learned from you, George, in EFT is just how to help the withdrawing partner how slow we need to go with them, how careful, how respectful to help them maybe find their words, to use the small words that they give us to build on a fuller understanding of what they experience. And I think that is just exactly what we need to do with the sexual withdrawal. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard as a partner if you are feeling rejected. And I mean, think about it gender reversed, right? If, if you are a female sexual pursuer and your partner isn't turned on and maybe can't join you, doesn't have any energy for it. Maybe what we talked about before in the traditional stereotype of a male sexual pursuer, he does have an erection, they can have sexual intercourse, but maybe for the female sexual pursuer, no erection, no sexual intercourse. Maybe he didn't have the energy to help her do herself or, or whatever. Like, you know, the, it can be problematic that way too. And if you're a woman asking a male partner, what happens for you? What were you thinking about? And I think especially if he's an emotional withdrawer, a sexual withdrawer, help, you know, being patient for him to find that those words, not being critical. And I think particularly not being critical of yourself, like I didn't turn him on, I wasn't enough or something like that. That's, that's a delicate moment. Yeah. Couples have good reasons to miss each other. When you're caught up in rejection, it becomes all about your hurt. It's hard to really see what's happening for your partner. Mm -hmm. But I so like what you're saying because the appreciation of the willingness, that really is something so beautiful to do. You're saying, I'm going to just take this leap, not knowing if my body's going to get turned on or off. I'm just doing this because this matters so much to me. I mean, that really is something worthy of, of admiration. Or it matters yet, so much to you. Right? Yeah. And, and, and so often it's not only not appreciated, it becomes pathologized, right? Like what's wrong mm -hmm. with you? You can't get turned on. You know, when that other person's starting off with the desire, it's such an easier process when you're kind of showing up at hello, ready to go, right? <laughs> so these, this, this, this appreciation for the willingness, I think that's the big move for those pursuers to start to trying to incorporate, to even maybe they calm down a little bit to say, hey, I so, I so appreciate that you're giving it your all. That's not an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it does, I'm not sure I could do that. I'm not sure if I didn't have desire that I I could just show up and see what happens. I mean, really, that would be my invitation to pursue is, would you think that would be the easy thing to do? That to is... kind of throw yourself in that bed and not know if it's going to work or not without the desire driving it? 
that's what your partner's doing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it, that, that appreciation, I think, takes a lot of pressure off the withdrawer to say, all right, this person's getting me. We're all longing for understanding. And this is, this is a doorway into really getting your partner in a very different way. Right. So she needs to pull out the vibrator, do it, and then get curious and not feel rejected and maybe talk to him about it a little bit. I, I think the, the worst thing is the withdrawer is just afraid that they will have failed. You know, I, I couldn't find desire. I couldn't find, I couldn't find a turn on. And so now you're going to be mad at me. You're going to be left. Right, and I, I invite couples to really try to get clear. You can't do both simultaneously. What do you mean? You can't have the withdrawer really try to comfort the pursuer's pain and rejection while the pursuer comforts the sense of failure in a withdrawer. Like, who's going to initiate that more? Okay, wait, wait. I love that. I love that. Slow that down so that we can understand what you're saying. Say it, say it again. My, my mind's moving too fast. <laughs> These, <laughs> I appreciate you slowing me down. I think couples both want to be heard and responded to simultaneously. Mm. And that is so hard to do when these emotions are so primed. Mm -hmm. For me, it's who's bringing up the vulnerability, right? If that withdrawer is going to take that risk and say, hey, you know, when it, when it feels like I can't get going, I feel like I'm failing, there's something wrong with me. I feel like I'm letting you down, right? If that's the focus of then the conversation, the pursuer really needs to kind of keep their focus on that withdrawer and try to be that sounding board that could comfort or understand. Mm -hmm. It's not the time for the pursuer to say, yeah, I got all this pain too. I Absolutely. know you have that pain, but you can't respond to both pain simultaneously. So it's Who's the time initiating the conversation. So it's the time for the pursuer, if the withdrawer does say that, to comfort them and say, you know what, baby, it was so great that you tried that you were showing up for me. Um, that was our agreement. We knew that it might not work. And it was cool that you offered up this time with me and you were willing to be vulnerable, willing to let your body do whatever. I just appreciate that you came into this moment with me. You know, it doesn't always have to work. We don't always have to both be turned on. It's okay. That, that makes it safe, right, for the withdrawing, the sexual withdrawer. It's not chance. You have two options. Option one is what you're saying. Hey, you tried. And I'm going to love you in this place even when you're failing. That creates safety. Option two is, what about me? I'm in a lot of pain here too. It doesn't feel good to want sex and have your partner go away. Right? Yes. That's only going to increase the levels of sense of failure. What the pursuer chooses to do makes a big difference in the outcome. And it's hard to do if you're not conscious, if you're not intentional, your body's just caught up and you just want to speak. But we're really trying to empower couples. Like, let's just stop this moment and really try to say, what is the goal of this conversation? If this withdrawer is doing something new, coming forward in a way that they don't, you know, we got to put the brakes on as a pursuer and say, hey, let's, let's help this withdrawer have success in this conversation. You'll get your chance, and maybe an hour later or the next day, the pursuer will initiate a conversation. And then we're going to encourage the withdrawer to do the same thing. Let's keep the focus on this pursuer and what it feels like to be rejected. This isn't about me failing and getting lost in my own stuff. It's about me giving that pursuer a sense of success in places they normally don't. Intentionality. Intentionality. Hard to do when your brain is flooded with emotions. It is. It's so hard. And... 
when maybe your body is flooded with arousal to stop. I, I think our solution here of go ahead and, and have an orgasm, deal with your own arousal, then come back into the conversation would help, you know, because you're not hyped up, right? You're not frustrated. Well, yeah, I work with a, a lot of men that as they get older, they really appreciate this shift towards willingness. Mm -hmm. Maybe I have ED and it's not working, right? But I still can enjoy my partner. I can enjoy helping my partner have an orgasm. I could enjoy the sense of connection afterwards. And, and I'm always surprised, you know, with, when I have these men say, you know what, it doesn't matter so much to me. So much of my life, it was all about the orgasm. And now I'm recognizing like there's so much else in this menu that you could really enjoy. Mm -hmm. You know, they're becoming much more emotionally engaged, much more spiritually engaged, much more the rest of their body engaged. And they're saying sex is great even when they don't have an orgasm. And still for a man, it's hard for my brain to wrap my, around that because I've had so much strain in the other way. Mm -hmm. But to just recognize that this, this sense of expansion when you really invite willingness, that it, it, it adds so much to this sexual menu that we're talking about. I agree. I, I think that this is one of the beautiful things about longevity in partnership. You know, maybe for a man, the focus is less on orgasm. And for a woman who has come into her own and she can be more open and share her needs more vulnerably, there is a lovely thing that happens at that time in life where both of them are meeting needs that are certainly physical, oftentimes sexual, and their hearts and their emotional needs are deeply being felt with each other. That's why we're such big fans of sensei focus exercises, right? Where you take orgasm off the table and you allow couples to just experience the power of connection when when the orgasm is off the table we need to do an episode on sensei focus so i've never done that we should do that maybe you've next never time. done what <laughs> i've never done an episode on sensei focus which would okay. be great we can do that i like it okay just just in brief sensei focus is a way that we free couples from being orgasm focused, right? They start to be focused on touch and pleasure instead of the race to reach orgasm. Right. And again, it's just another tool for couples to expand their repertoire. So I like for men, especially if you take the orgasm off the table, they are forced to use the rest of their senses to kind mm -hmm. of, they become more in their body. They, you know, their, their mind wanders, their heart starts to open up. And it, it really empowers them to say, wow, there's a lot more I could have. Just think when I bring the orgasm back into this equation, I've just learned more skills. Mm -hmm. and, and when we say that, take the orgasm off the table, we mean not pressuring them to have orgasm and allowing them to just enjoy being touched, being the receiver of touch in many different parts of their body. And what we're sort of saying in the exercise, don't focus on that at this point. Um, in fact, we say don't have an orgasm so that they can feel their body in many different ways, the intensity in their, in their different body parts. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a form of mindfulness. You're being mm -hmm. intentional to say, 
I'm going to, I'm going to learn something new about myself and my partner here. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put aside this thing, this orgasm, which is normally always the goal and what my focus is. And I want to see what is, what is intimacy like without that? Right? Which gets us back to this idea of willingness, how important it is to just allow yourself to go into a space and to not know with your partner. You want to talk about exploration and curiosity, right? This is what allows that, that to really open up in, in very new ways. So we are challenging you to maybe not just use desire as your starting point, but use willingness. If you're the one who maybe doesn't feel as much desire in the relationship, maybe ask your partner, hey, you know, I'd be willing to have sex on Thursday night. Let's set that up. You know, make it good for yourself. Light a few candles, have a glass of wine, and just start with an understanding that, you know, maybe you don't get so turned on, and then maybe you're going to stop. And just be mindful and aware of what you're feeling in all the different areas of your experience in your mind, your heart, your body, your genitals, what happens, and maybe be willing to convey that to your pursuing partner, your partner who has more sexual desire. I would just say, I think that would be a gift to your pursuing partner. If you say, hey, I'm willing, I I just don't know what's going to happen. Can you be okay? If I don't get turned on, can it still be just a fun, you know, experience? Nice. And my last little shout out to the men. Imagine you've just had your orgasm and you don't, not a lot of interest to do it again to have a second orgasm, right? The desire has crashed. What would it be like then to show up in a willing way for your partner to see what it's like when you don't have desire to kind of allow yourself to enter a space and to see what happens, right? It's a great way of empathizing and connecting. So, all right. Thanks for listening. Keep it hot, all. Lori, I want to give a big shout out to our patrons whose support is really helping. And as we're starting to notice with success comes more expenses. And it would really be great for our listeners to have new patrons come and join us to be part of this mission. Talking about sex, the importance of that to, to change our culture, to help us not have to figure this stuff out and feel ashamed and alone with all this. That's right. Thanks so much. I mean, it feels good that people are believing in this mission, wanting to help other couples and wanting to help make sex something that is beautiful and easy to talk about and reduce the shame that people feel about it. So your financial support has been helpful and it would be wonderful to have you behind us. Call in your questions to the 4Play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833, the number 4, PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.